Hello everyone, and welcome to a podcast. The podcast is called Renfield's Cast. It is the fucking Jesus Christ. Hello everyone, and welcome... <laughs> Hello everyone, and welcome to Renfield's Cast. The limited resources of retro RPGs. I'm Robin. That's Ollie. How you doing, Ollie? Good. I brought my rations. Uh, wait, who who measures water? Have you ever seen anyone measure water? No. Speaking of limited resources. But that's not what we're here to talk about. Today we're on... Um, I forgot. Hit me. <laughs> well, you said you wanted to talk about jails, and I got super, super excited, and then you're like, oh no, I didn't mean in the game, I meant in the real world. Yeah, I just, I killed a man in Reno. <laughs> I'm, I'm going to jail, Robin. Yeah. Uh, I, I don't know. I heard, I read some articles. I think it's kind of old news now. Uh, this idea of D&D players in prison, and there was a, a bit of a kerfuffle in the US somewhere. I think it was a year or two now where they banned it because it was encouraging gang activity or something, or like mild satanic overtones, or just generally disruptive. So they tried to ban D&D, and a bunch of people went, Whoa. And then all of these guys jumped on Reddit saying, I was in prison for seven years, wouldn't let us have dice because we couldn't gamble. And they're all, they all sound exactly like that on Reddit. Yeah, talking about like how they had to rip up pieces of paper with numbers to get their D20s going, pull it out of bags, all these cool workarounds to like play D&D in prison. And I couldn't help but wonder, like, do you play like Chaotic Evil or are you like a fucking paladin locked up for like murder? Jail would be so good for making people come to your games. Yeah, exactly. That's what I mean. There's nothing. It's that or the exercise yard or getting raped in the laundry. No, yeah. No one would ever miss a session. I was thinking on the road to... What's that movie? Where he crawls through the poo tube? Uh, Sewers? Uh, Shawshank Redemption? Shawshank Redemption, yeah. That's a movie that needed more D&D in it, let's be honest. (laughs) Like the old old accountant dude, you know he plays D&D. Like, yeah, <laughs> um, let's let's backtrack because when I said jail, I meant pieces of paper out of a baggie. You thought goblin guards and and, and bugbear jailers. Yeah, Tell pretty me much. More. Or like, are you talking about Prison Break, the TV show, the RPG? <laughs> I've never seen Prison Break, the TV show, but I do kind of mean Prison Break, the RPG, like The Count of Monte Cristo, the RPG. Oh, uh, like welding metal masks on your face? No. <laughs> that was the man with the iron mask. Yeah, that's all Dumas. Dumas. That's right, Alexander Dumas. Oh, they make that joke in the Shawshank Redemption. Do they? Because <laughs> <laughs> that amuses yeah, me so much Yeah, because they're stuck in the prison library. He's like, who's this guy, dumbass? Alright, you know how a couple weeks ago we were talking about video games and I was telling you how my favourite game ever is uh, Little Big Adventure, Relentless, Twinson's Odyssey, that game. In that game, every town that you go to, there's all the nice townsfolk, but then there's these imperial guards marching around the town and, and generally oppressing everybody. Um, the most powerful enemies are just these gigantic elephants with sleep guns. You cannot run from them. Like, the moment that they see you, you're you're fucked. But they don't kill you. Uh, they just drag you off to jail. So it's got all these different jails in it and a different 
special way that you need to escape from each one of these jails. So you're meant to get caught, you're meant to fail a few times, and it's part of the adventure? Well, you start the game in jail, and there's a couple times where you get put in prisons, like, as part of the storyline, but also the super fuck-you monsters, which just mean that, oh god, you're not supposed to be here, get out, get out, get out. They don't actually kill you, they just knock you out and drag you off to jail. So there's a whole bunch of them which, if you never get caught, then you'll never even see. It's like a thing, you, you're travelling to different islands all over the world and each one has its own little jail cell. My island home. <laughs> Everything I do in D&D is basically, like, my obsession with with adventure is born from this game so along with that has come the obsession of wanting to put jail breaks into my games and you have put me in jail in a DD game or at least some kind of weird legal purgatory this blew my mind when you threw this at me in a game i think we mentioned it previously we we're playing in uh, the vornheim setting by zach s i believe um, Robin was running it, and uh, I was, I think, drunk in a session, and I thought that was a good idea. And I ended up arraigned before court, and I thought, okay, I just have to explain that the guy was dead when I found him, and I was trying to save him, and it all seemed like a great idea. Uh, until I got to court, and uh, I was tied to a pig after making a great speech, which I think should have exonerated me. Um, I was tied to a pig um, with my mate. And the defendants were also... No, wait, the offendants? What's the uh, other side of a legal battle? The um, ac- uh, There's a cool word for it. I don't do law. I don't want to be in court ever. Um, <laughs> anyway, the offendants um, were also tied to a pig, and we just had to roam around until one of us were detached from pigs or something. It basically was based on real medieval law, which is horrifying. And this idea that uh, God will favor the victor, so no matter how absurd it is, God will always be on the side of whoever won, which is why you'd win the duel, even if you're an evil motherfucker. It's like, okay, well, God likes him, because luck, Mm. I guess. Yeah, well, I've got here in front of me, Vornheim, the legal situations table. There's 20, 20 items on there, and you're talking about number 11, trial by swine. The people of Vornheim believe pigs to be the only honest animals. Seven pigs are tied to the defendant by ten-foot ropes, and the defendant must go about his or her business in this way for twelve days. If the defendant cuts the ropes, leaves the city, or goes mad, he, she, is guilty. Yeah. (laughs) Obviously. Yeah. There's a whole bunch of those which I think are a really good way for kicking off adventure. And are probably also written like that so that you don't go to jail. Yeah, because that is a terrible roleplay mechanic, isn't it? Like, yeah, I don't know, like, it, well, it's constrictive by design. Yeah, it's bad. It's bad. <laughs> and, well, actually, I've also woken up in a fair few jails in your campaigns. We had that cool spacey one with the ladder of the reincarnation or something. That was in a jail. But, like, one of those convenient starting jails where it's, like, also there's a manhole cover in the floor that no one locked, so that was convenient. Um, And I think uh, the old, like, you find yourself tied up in a goblin dungeon happened one time. Yeah. 
it's a very quick way to start playing you're in prison and you don't know why and you've got to get out rather than the whole like okay so how did all you guys meet so you're hanging at the tavern and a wizard comes up to you and says i have a quest for you I like the idea that it's standard practice in Goblin Dungeon Jail to like they'll read you your rights and then cast Amnesia and then you're good to go. And like so you just wake up with like seven other adventurers and just fucking maul the poor guard using nothing but chains in your bare fist. Yeah, you're totally right. Like I've been obsessed with jails for ages and trying to put them in everything because Count of Monte Cristo and Little Big Adventure. And it seems like they are literally actually dungeons. Yeah, 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 yeah. I was thinking that the other day that dungeons don't exist like in D&D. Like there are catacombs occasionally and sewers, but like, what are we talking about? Like we, we just <laughs> built this whole thing. Yeah, if there was actually an oubliette in a D&D yeah. game, but it was called a dungeon, that would be so confusing. You know, the king's just like, oh, I'll put you in my dungeon. <laughs> the PC's going, yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> you find like, yeah, you kick in the door, you find a, you know, decrepit prisoner, you kick in the door, you you find another decrepit prisoner. <laughs> like, where's yep. all the treasure, mate? <laughs> exactly. Yeah, but jails, like jaily kind of dungeons, actual like incarceration and imprisonment dungeons, they don't make good actual dungeons. Because first off, there's the idea that when you're delving into a dungeon, you're going down into the mythic underworld, right? And there's nothing more like sadly practical than being stuck in jail by some humanoid dickheads. It's a problem that rather than a dungeon being something that you explore and map out, that you start from like the outside and you're like delving in and you've got choices of where to go and how deep you want to go down and all that junk. If you're just stuck in one and you need to get out, there's only like one single entry point to the dungeon and one one single exit. That sucks and that's not like exciting in a dungeon either. Also dungeons you need factions in a dungeon for it to be interesting and also for it to make sense. If you're just assaulting a fortress, which is just all working together against you, then how are you fucking doing this? But like a, a dungeon where the goblins and the Balrog don't get on, that makes for both like you can play your factions off against one another. And also that's the reason why you, there's these no man's land corridors and stuff where shit's sectioned off. I'm definitely having um flashback or like links in my head to a uh, watchman. You know, when they send Rorschach to jail, like you're, I'm not stuck in here with you. You're stuck in here with me. It's basically, you've got the prisoners and the guards and then the insane man who wants to be there. That is your adventuring party. Cause he just wants to fuck up the corrupt guards and the prisoners. And he's like happy as a pig and shit, just destroying everybody. <laughs> Which is basically the jerky adventure party that wants all their gold. So, yeah, there we go. Um, well, let's also talk about, like, jail um, wasn't really... The reason they had all these crazy ordeals and trials by combat and stuff is because jails were historically a place where you sleep off your hangover or, like, it's an overnight holding cell to you cool, cool down. And all the actual punishment tended to be humiliating things like being put in the stocks or shaved headed or um, made to duel someone or tied to pigs. But uh, yeah, specifically jails were like 
basically just holding cells to get people to shut the hell up for a few hours and dungeons were a whole separate thing and that was for like rich people to hold valuable prisoners for ransom or just torture people they don't like like you know little playpen down the back where the screams echo nicely and neither of them were very practical or good for long-term stays so that's a modern idea this whole like you know what would be cool if we spend millions of dollars housing and keeping people miserable and like taking time out of their life at the expense of us like this is a great idea um like this whole doing time thing is is modern thinking yeah it was just a like um we got we got to lock this up till he cools down because he's going to kill someone or we got to lock him up because he's too drunk or we got to lock him up because he's got a date with the stocks tomorrow but no one's around to throw tomatoes right now so we'll hang on to him for a bit kind of thing yeah and it works so much better for adventure to be punished in old school like putting the stocks away than just yeah well should we talk about ordeals a bit so you said you have a list of 20 from uh, Vornheim I've been reading this nice book called uh, it's a zine called Bergs and Bailiffs by a bunch of people I think they're European because there's some interesting like ESL typos which is so good English second language I think and I love it like it's it's great and it's very very much like they've decrypted how much land how many peasants need to farm to support this many people and how to choke out a city by like blocking their like granary supplies and stuff like that um so it's very like medieval <laughs> trivia but yeah some of the ordeals are incredible and how they turn that into like mechanics for gamers cuz like a lot of them are things like stocks and it being shaved and tarred and feathered as a character humiliation often doesn't work because the player is so distinct from the character like taking a wound you're not like ow you're like no I'll hit points but when someone's like you are humiliated most characters are like yeah i take it and it's like no 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 this is really bad so like all of the um like the rack and uh, not the rack that's that's going to hurt the uh the stocks and stuff is like yeah you lose two levels because you're like social status is like horribly mangled by being in the stock so you lose two levels effectively temporarily for like two days or whatever as a like mechanic to be like no guys this is pretty bad i just want it's not harming your character it's not a danger to you but like this is a big deal in this community um <laughs> yeah they had some cool trials one of my favorite was uh the trial of ingestion so you've got your your array of judges and everyone sitting there heckling you and you're in this you know big courtroom and they just make you eat a big old pile of dry bread and the idea is if you're guilty you get dry mouth cuz you're nervous because there's a bunch of people watching you be guilty yeah so you choke on your bread which is like an admission of guilt however if you're innocent you're just hell shuffed to get dry bread like free bread so you just eat the bread and you're totally cool with it and you've got like a whole lot of saliva or something um, so like it's so great just like choking on bread guilty gavel yeah. down this is this is why we need to run games in person instead of over the internet, so I can actually just bring out a loaf of bread and make someone eat it. <laughs> <laughs> um, yeah, and like, how do you roll for that kind of thing? I guess in game, and uh, I don't know. Some other ones were like historically they can't decide whether the whole, you know, throw the witch in the well to see if they float kind of thing was actually practiced, but they from region to region it differed. So like sometimes the weight of your sins would make you sink. Sometimes your unearthly like 
presence would make you float. So you could be a witch either way, and like it was inconsistent, and I really liked that. And uh, yeah, there's some good stuff in there. Yeah, it's an interesting read because it's the kind of people who dissect how much food comes out of a square mile of land and how and how that should dictate your peasant like density population and how many peasants you need to support a city and like it's it's really worked out but someone had to do it <laughs> jesus well it's um interesting because basically at the end they have a ratio so you say if you have a two thousand person city to make this medieval fantasy realistic and if magic's not interfering with food production or whatever or water purity you can just immediately know how many surrounding villages and acres of peasant land and wilderness you'll have. It's yeah, interesting. Does, I, I'm, I've never actually looked at the numbers too closely, but doesn't it mean for effectively any kind of large city, like anything approximating a modern city, that the farmland that you need just stretches for days beyond it? Yeah, I think rather than like being into the frontier wilderness like as quick as you can you're like oh okay well we're just trekking through wheat fields for a while yeah well these um i mean this is this this book is written for a very medieval setting not particularly fantastical um where they want to like do politics and disrupt supply lines and sieges and stuff like that but it's an interesting read you know when like reality is 10 times more horrifying than fantasy. Like every time, basically. Yeah. 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 You're like, wow, it's worse. Oh, and they're like, they're explaining, not only do they explain gruel and the difference between potage and gruel. So gruel is like dried and I think salted like wheat. So it's even worse than just like oats and wheat just boiled. It's like preserved and then boiled, and then you throw in some vegetables, maybe some meat if you've got it. But potage is even worse. It's watery gruel. So there's like whole things, and then you turn the page, and it's got like Paul's mum's gruel recipe, <laughs> because they're that into it. <laughs> and they have recipes for gruel, just in case you want to try it. Yeah. It's so great. That oh, sounds delicious. Because mm. I've never even run a game where I've even looked at rations, because it just seems like something I can't be bothered counting. Um... <sighs> Yeah, well, I, I think um, it's this one of those you gotta gotta get your players to count them. Otherwise, the dams counting them, they just go nuts. Okay, how about a heist? Does the idea of running a heist appeal to you? Ooh. In your shadow run games, like you do your individual run, how much like looking at the blueprints, pre-planning type stuff is there? Ninety percent. Well, seventy-five percent of the game, the last quarter is enacting it so you spend your time casing the place out usually you'll do a small run to like get on the ground and like walk around the building or like go intimidate the clerk at the hotel next door or whatever and find some ways to get in then we'll spend like 30 to 40 minutes arguing about the best way to do it usually coming up with a plan that involves kidnapping a child and like i don't know something horrible I'm like, I love the amount of discussion we have and then come up with something completely unprofessional involving stage makeup and glue, usually. Then we go in and we hack all the computers and disable the security and skydive onto the roof. And then that's the game part. You get there, usually you fuck up the extraction or whatever and shoot your way out and that's all the action at the end. And there's like Chardon schadenfreude schadenfreude of like watching your well-laid plans go to shit almost immediately which you've just spent 40 minutes obsessing over like it's, it's kind of fun that way 
and it also it means that like a perfect run you will kill no one spend very little money and you basically just do a bunch of stealth checks and maybe some like you know intimidation or speaking or con to like pick up the target assuming it's a human often it's not um but it's always more fun when you get to whip out your bio augments and break some people in half and throw grenades and stuff so that's a kind of like you're really not meant to do that but it's so much fun yeah right Okay, so does it does it follow proper Ocean's Eleven structure where you like you just said you plan for most of it and then you cut to the action sequence like you round the corner and then you see the little light is still on the camera and like wait shit they're supposed to be deactivated yeah and then you've got to send in a hacker to like delete the last five minutes of footage or like boof it or so you know and like that's really cool and yeah it is it really does work like that it Shadowrun is a series of heists um, which makes it really nice and modular like. We have campaign arcs, like the, you know, Humanus keeps popping up, which are, like, um, racist people against metahumans and, like, the Orc Underground, and there's a corrupt politician. So there are through lines, but basically it's just a heist a week, um, which doesn't leave you with the weird D&D hanging plot threads of, like, you have this huge arc that you'll probably never finish or, like, trekking towards who you've got to remind them of all the time. Um, so that it's pretty compact and, like modular and quite nice heists always seem to be tricky to run for me but i've got one which i think i'm going to be running sometime in the next month where my melbourne game they need a painting and the painting's held in a museum and during the day there's it's just full of people but then at night it's patrolled by anemone men who are these like blue toxic creatures who oh, just sleep cool most of the time. From that cool yeah, that right, right at. out of um, after Fire we, on the Velvet Horizon. After we talked about it the other day, I realized it's in my bedroom and I found it. <laughs> it's like, wait a minute, that's in my bookshelf. Um, so I've yeah. been rereading some of that. It's good. Yeah, right, anyway. So yeah. Um, and then there's um, sigils on the ceiling where anyone in the museum after dark and conscious. Um, it just is afflicted by incredible psychic pain, and so that's that. That's the setup for the for the the heist, basically, that they've got to do get this this painting out of there. And I'm I'm excited to see how that goes down. Like they've already dabbled in in like looking for sleep potions or maybe getting themselves hypnotized or something. I'm excited to run a heist. Mm. It's interesting because you run into a lot of these supply chain problems like restricted items and stuff. All the good stuff in Shadowrun is restricted or forbidden. You've got like a hard to get rating, so you're not got to hit up contacts and make fake phone calls to all your fake contacts and shit um, to be like, you can't just be like, okay, for this we're going to need a rappelling line, a bazooka, a hang glider, and a and some gamma scolopamine. You're like, okay, who, who knows a guy who can source drugs? Who knows a guy who can source military-grade hang gliders? Like, shit like that. <laughs> and you've got to go like, oh, my ex-college professor on my sheet. <laughs> it's like, sure, whatever, man. So there's lots of um, phone calls and, like, gathering equipment rather than just going to the Acme store. And, like, same with upgrades. You don't just learn... Um, uh, this is, I guess, going back to the heist style, like, planning everything and, like, re interacting with the real economy and world, trying to do extraordinary things. You, you don't... You need connections and stuff. 
So like for all the leveling up and all the Bioware and Cyborg stuff, if you want a better metal arm, you don't just buy a better, better metal arm or you don't just upgrade your spell, you know, like in D&D, you just go like, now I'm a master of flourishes or whatever. You have to go like, I need to find a doctor, I have to buy the arm, I have to pay for doctor's fees and healing time because there's downtime where you're not getting paid and paying upkeep for your HQ or your home. Um, so I'm going to have to heal after getting this arm grafted on by a paid doctor and stuff like that. So you really have to work it out. Like, um, I'm going to be shit for a session while my new arm's getting like worn in. <laughs> and like, uh, if I need a month to recover from my like poison gland implantation, then I'm not working for that month and I have to pay the rent like as a shadow runner. And like, there's a lot of interesting stuff there with like, once again, the, the not running and gunning it's the mm, like base management yeah because you're really meant to be a professional you've got upkeep you've got lives you've got contacts to maintain you're shopping around for the right equipment at the right time and like bribing people and cultivating relationships with the people who give you the missions so if you do a mission badly or loudly when it's supposed to be quiet you lose rep with the Johnson and there's stats for that and blah 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 okay. which is really cool like it's it's quite um, nuanced in the heisty part <laughs> and yeah. although every cover of every shadow run ever is either a guy in a trench coat in the dark doing nothing or just fucking like explosions and like a, a troll bursting out the back of an ambulance clutching a kidney and firing a machine gun like um, there's actually not that much fighting in it it's just that you want to be really good when that happens <laughs> uh, so yeah it does pretty good um, pretty good heisty stuff yeah, right. So what would be your one recommendation for me running a, a heist? Um, give them a bunch of different angles. So you never say, like, never leave them too constricted in terms of uh, there's one entrance or one exit. You want to offer them, they can burrow through the sewers. They can go, um, you know, fly through to the roof. They can, you know, like suction cup up the side of the building they can smuggle themselves in during the work hours and hide somewhere. Um, like if they're not coming up with a bunch of different things, give them blueprints or something that gives them a couple of different angles of attack, which they can endlessly debate. Also give them lots of shopping time. Cause you know, yeah, that whole sitting in the room with the blueprints, mapping things out and putting pins in stuff and shopping for the exact weird specific thing that you need, which usually goes to shit immediately because X isn't on the blueprints or you failed this role or whatever. But it's really cool deciding whether to, whether to like hang glide onto the roof or like rappling hook across. <laughs> like, yeah, that kind of stuff. So make the place full of holes, but also full of surprises and well-established security that they can dodge, <laughs> I guess. Cool. Um, All right. All right. And I'm for excited once, to, to run this thing. And Let's for once... You can split the party um, because you can have things like lookouts who are just not even in the building, but like with a really good ranged weapon or like, because you don't want... <laughs> That's six... not a lookout. <laughs> wait, wait, well, uh, Overwatch slash lookout. He, it's, yeah, well, that's okay. what I'm saying. He starts off as a lookout, but almost always ends up as like Overwatch, just like like gunning down policemen as they rock yeah, out. Yeah, right. I like but, the uh, idea that the lookout who doesn't even bother to call out like, cops coming, it's just you just hear the high-powered sniper rifle go off and you're like, oh, okay, well, that's the signal then. 
Yeah, because the last, like the last run we did in Shadow Run, um, or the second last actually. Yeah, we rocked up and we had the party all split up and we like we used like rappel lines to get across from a car park. But instead of the security in the building being a problem, it was the um, other Shadow Runner on the skyscraper across with an extremely high powered rifle and like sticky hands, so we could climb around on skyscrapers just fucking mm. nailing our target over and over again with a humongous, like, the kind of rifle that comes out the other side of a skyscraper when you shoot it. So that was fun, just, like, throwing in, like, oh-fuck moments like that, which were really good. Yeah, so, like, having a third party there, maybe, <laughs> um, or a stray cat or something dumb to just ruin everything that they just planned is good. In yeah, case having, having rival adventurers just show mm, up at I your really dungeon like is that. Yeah, so I like good. being chased by, uh, in the, um... What was that cool party that we really didn't interact with very much that were just like... Oh, you did. You did. The, the crows. The crows, Their modus operandi right. is that they just watch you and pretty much all of the encounters which weren't something that you stumble upon but like something running into you was them engineering stuff to fuck you up. All the zombies is them. That's Renfield's cast. We're done. Bye, everybody. Out. Out.